listening to Spitball with Adri Ballhawk Mellows and Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. Hello and welcome to the week 10 edition of Spitball. I'm your host, Adri Ballhawk Mallows, and with me this week is my regular partner in crime, Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. You just love that nickname, don't you? Uh, uh, to be fair, I think it's even better than the old fantasy one. Is yeah. that because you now have it on a card signed by Miss Heather Rockstar Fair? That too, I can never take that back now. So, you know, once that's set in stone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what a gift that was. So let's uh, crack on with the show. We start this week with the Monday night football game between the Dolphins and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This week, it was Tampa Bay's first win of the season. So my question to you, Marcus, is why did they win? Uh, they won because the Dolphins don't have an offensive line. There was like five sacks, especially in the, the last game-winning drive. There was like two or three, literally. Miami, you need to go down and, you know, kick a field goal. What's that? You're going to be sacked twice in a row. Yeah, that's not going to help. So basically, off in Jake Long, wasn't it? They off to the Rams in the off season this year. Wasn't the smartest of moves by the franchise. Uh, yeah, the franchise hasn't done anything for offensive line. Plus, it's just crumbling around them. What with um, the controversies of like uh, incognito, like we were talking about last week. Ah, uh, right. Yes, and uh, that brings us nicely into a a little correction. There, we put it up alongside the podcast. Anyway, we did get our facts a little bit wrong. Unfortunately, I think we were too busy scouring through the rumor mill and, and jumped to conclusions a little bit. But just to confirm that he has been suspended indefinitely as opposed to being fired while they continue to... That's it, yeah, just while they investigate and get all the facts. And from what I saw of an interview with him, it seems to be that there's a completely different relationship in the locker room and he was as surprised as anyone when the complaint actually came in. So although there's a few various different texts and I think that's all we're going to spend on it for now and just say that we apologise for our mistake last week and let's crack on with Miami. So they're relying, we think, maybe, or trying to rely too much on Tannehill's mobility if they've got a really bad offensive line. Yeah, that plus there was a lot of important drops by some of the Miami receivers when they were trying to make drives. Fair play to Tampa's D actually turning up and they really shut down the run game for Miami as well with like uh, with no way to sort of change on the ground. They became very one-dimensional, hence, you know, Tannehill getting sacked and uh, the interception. Yeah, I'd have uh, to say... Uh, oh, sorry, Marcus. Sorry, mate. I was, I was going to say that um, I, I put on the interception I was referring to was the one that literally killed the game off Revis's one at the end. Ah, right. Okay. So, Tampa last week, uh, obviously, we're starting to show signs of, of playing better. So, do we think that my, sorry, that Tampa's win was purely down to the dramas of what was going on off the field? Or do we think that Tampa showed enough for us last week to think that actually that's the reason why they won the game and perhaps we shouldn't beat up Miami as much and it was just a good performance by Tampa instead? I think it's uh, it's a Tampa win rather than an actual Miami loss, if that makes sense. Yeah, that, that does make sense, yeah. Um, I mean, come on, they brought Seattle to overtime. It took a lot of guts for, for Seattle to come back from that sort of deficit and, you know, maybe it just that wasn't, the franchise wasn't ready to sort of pull off something like that. But, you know... They clearly watched enough game film, realised where they needed to shore up. Again, they did this week. They went out to a 15-point lead um, and then let it get eaten into, really. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to say, it's a bit unfortunate what happened to, to Mike James this week. Cause I don't know if you've heard, but in that 
game last night he actually fractured his ankle so it looks like he's going to be out for the rest of the season which is a real shame bearing in mind the impact it had stepping in for Doug Martin this year yeah they're having some real rotten luck with injuries in the running back department I mean yeah he really stepped up nicely sort of when you bring a youngster in like that and you need someone to come in there's just two back and then suddenly guess what kiddo you're the starter you know you need them to step up make it or break it and unfortunately the guy was making it but yeah injuries are part of the game unfortunately but snapped ankles never good yeah absolutely so uh, we wish him again a, a speedy recovery and um, it's never a nice injury to have anything like that happen to your ankle and I'm sure well we know you can vouch from experience there yeah ankles hurt ankles hurt when they snap <laughs> Exactly. Well, okay, let's um, move on to a game that I know will make you happy, so I'm just going to let you go ahead and take it away. Rams versus Colts, Marcus. Come on. 38. I have no idea where that came from. It came from Tavon Austin, man. What a performance. I mean, Tavon Austin. I mean, he need. I said he's been. He's like sleeping all, all season, and then suddenly wakes up and says, oh, yeah, I can, I, I, can, I can return kicks. What's that? Oh, yeah, I can catch passes. Like... Um, this was where for the first nine weeks, excuse us? I tell you what, his... Averaging 24 yards a game, thank you. His speed is just ridiculous. Yeah. You think you're watching that punt return in, in fast forward, but no, no, that's his legs. He just moves that quick. Oh, yeah. But it's one of the ones where he's, he was brought in to be that sort of playmaker. It's always very dangerous when you draft a playmaker because... You never know what you're actually going to get from him because out of all the ones that are sort of drafted and turn out to be duds, it seems to be the ones who are brought in specifically to um, to make stuff happen, you know, to bring the boom. They, they always seem to either they're either going to flash or fizzle and um, he was looking like he was fizzling for the most part of this season and that, that was a flash of genius. We saw it. Yeah, I mean, to, to wave everybody off, that's the the funniest thing about that whole punt return was waving everybody off. Even the Dolphins' coverage were kind of waiting for it to get near the end zone, and he just picks it up two yards out and then just burns up the sideline, literally straight up the sideline as well. Oh yeah, and the other thing about this game is is the way we managed to to work on the offense. I mean, we realised that you know we're having troubles keeping um, quarterbacks fit, and I really liked the running game from Cunningham. I thought that was great the way that we managed to actually sort of develop a running game. Though we've got limited resources, we still managed to put in a very, very good. I mean, this is this is a good defense. Indianapolis is not a defense you just walk all over. But no. we had Stacy, who was literally he was like carrying the ball all night. He wasn't having great luck, unfortunately. He was doing like like two, three yards a, a carry, if that. And then Cunningham was literally just burning them when they weren't expecting it. Yeah, but Stacy still had over a hundred. I think he had about hundred and twenty, doing hundred and twenty and hundred and thirty yards. Because I've obviously I've got him in my fantasy team. Because as soon as I found out that Richardson went down, I was like, "Well, we know the Rams love to run, so just put in the backup." Plus, you look pretty good anyway. So well, he had 62 yards and a touchdown. But um, let's see, I've got some stats here. So we're talking 26 carries. This is 62 yards. We're talking 2.4 yards a carry. But he's got the touchdown, and that's what was important. Oh, hang on. Sorry. So. He only got 62 yards this week then? Yeah. Oh, sorry, he got 12 points because he got the touchdown and 60 yards, so that's why not 120 yards. Sorry, dude. That's all right. But to be fair, Clemens put in a nice performance too. He had just about 250-ish, two touchdowns and uh, no interceptions, which is the most important thing. I mean, you're looking at here, you had Luck had about three interceptions and then they even brought Hasselbeck on for a little bit. I mean, that was just crazy, you know? I mean, I think it was... Luck took a knock at some point. I think it was third quarter, was it? Luck took a knock or something like that? Fourth quarter? Something, somewhere around there. Luck had to take a knock and it was... They brought, had to bring in Hasselbeck, who had an interception. Yeah, what do you make of Clemens, anyway? I think he is a good backup, 
though I would never put him in as numero uno. Because I just I don't, just don't think he's quite got that. I mean, to be fair, Saban Austin just lit up his scoreboard for him. So out of his 250 yards, I'd have to say about half of them were probably to Austin. Yeah. He's he's like um have you you know Alex Smith what he's doing over in Kansas City. He's controlling the game. He's only he's only going to throw for 150 yards a game, Alex Smith, to 200. But he's going to maybe get you a touchdown if you're lucky. If not, he'll just keep the chains moving, keep running the ball. And that's what he's all about. Don't give away any stupid fumbles. Don't give away stupid interceptions. Just run your game. And if your defense keeps playing like that, you'll very much be in with a shout. Exactly. I mean, defense. I mean, we knew defense was going to improve when Fisher came in because he's a defensive coach. And, you know, we are seeing some real fireworks happen over on um, on the defense at the moment. But to be fair, I, I think that's why... I mean, you spoke last year of not enough aggression. And I think we, we also suffered from that. This year, there's a lot of aggression. There's a lot happening. And we're, we're reaping the benefits. Absolutely. So we'll move on now. Not only did the Tampa Bay Buccaneers get their first win, but we also had the first win for the Jacksonville Jaguars. What a performance no for them. win teams. Yeah, every team in the NFL has now officially won a game. Yeah. Did you see much of the game? or The Jaguar game, I did watch the highlights back of it just to sort of catch myself up on it. And yeah. I must admit, it was it was another one of those games where it was... Though I do like the Jaguars, whereas I said Tampa Bay won their game rather than Miami lost, losing this, I do feel that Tennessee lost this rather than Jacksonville winning it. Uh, okay, would some of that possibly be to do with didn't Jacksonville end up winning it by the... The safety, which was the holding call on Chance Warmack in the end zone, effectively, because they won by two points. They won it by the two points, yeah. It was 29-27 in the end, and it was just... I mean, fair play, because, I mean, what really sort of won the game for them, shall we say, is the... um, I don't know if you saw it, the one where, literally, the defensive player ripped the ball out of Fitzpatrick's hands, literally took it from his hands and then ran into the end zone. Oh yeah, that was Will Blackman. That was that was a hell of a play and uh I'm probably yeah. going to speak a little bit more about that later. <laughs> hint hint yeah, nudge no, nudge we know where that one might be going. Nudge nudge wink wink. <laughs> but that one for me, that really sat there and that cemented their their sort of victory. But it was like it was it was those silly little sort of mistakes and stuff like the errors that they were putting in. When Locker went out, you know, you were kind of bringing in Fitzpatrick. It, it was it was kind of what are you going to do about it? You know, sometimes, you know, like I said, injuries are part of the game. We hate that the fact that they're, they're becoming more frequent this year for some reason. But in, it's going to be inevitable and it's going to happen. But again, you're looking at some of the stats and, you know, Chad Henney threw two interceptions, no touchdowns again this week. As far as sort of like offensive really came out in the sort of stats, Jacksonville had about 200 yards in total offense. Uh, Tennessee had like 350. Everywhere you looked, they literally, they should have won the game on paper, shall we say. Even when you look at the post-game statistics, you're sitting there going, the score should have flipped. It should be Tennessee winning this. But for somehow, I, I just don't know. Like you said, ultimately it comes down to the two points from that stupid penalty. But the stats can be really deceiving, though, I find, because if you find that a team's got a lot of turnovers or given Tennessee gave up the ball three times and each time they gave up the ball it was on their own 30-yard line, it means that Jacksonville only have 30 yards to go and score. So you're always going to have like a misbalance in the stat sheet anyway because the Jags just didn't have to cover as much ground to score. Yeah, but I mean, for this one, really, like you said, turnovers, and that was really what killed them. I mean, it was the free fumbles, really, Yeah, that's what I put it down to, the free fumbles. Like you said, we've got Will Blackman running one back, which is beautifully done, just, you know, thank you, I'll take that. But when you're turning points off turnovers, that's, well, that's what, what really killed them. Yeah, totally well. We'll leave that one there as well now because I'm sure there's probably a few other games you want to cover. But 
Before we move on to some other games, I just want to say as well, Eli Manning, New York Giants, three wins in a row. Are they going to make a comeback, Marcus? No. <laughs> I love it when you one word me like that. I get all excited and then all of a sudden it's just, no. <laughs> Brilliant. No. Well, <laughs> with that said, no, I mean, I mean, no, leave it at no. Leave it at no. Just leave it there. You want to leave it at no? I absolutely no. want to leave it at no. So what other games, if any, tickled your fancy this week? Um, well, there was a few of them that sort of really, I loved the Detroit-Chicago game. The sort of the NFC North beat them up. It was, it was brilliant. I really, really enjoyed that one. I mean, it came down so close. It was so, so tense at the end. I mean, it's a really, really good sort of football game. Yeah, putting in, your, you love about it. putting in your backup quarterback to go on the game-winning drive. And to be fair to the guy, so close to pulling off the uh, the tie and touchdown. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those ones where I think it was just because Cutler had come back from injury and effectively McCown was hot. He was the hot quarterback at the moment, at, at the time. You know, he'd been on a bit of a win streak. You've got to give the guy credit for that. Yeah. I, you know, I, when it comes down to the clutch position, you know, who would you rather be in there? The guy who's had to come off and been niggling through the match or... Or the guy who you, you believe could get you the win. Yeah, correct. So he did get the tying touchdown. He just didn't get the tying two points. That was yeah. the problem, wasn't it? The two-point conversion. But yeah, great performance. And they even mentioned it in the commentary, didn't they? They said, well, why are they keeping Cutler out there when he's injured? Because you know he's not going to be able to move laterally very well. So why not get the guy oh, yeah. who's actually got the legs out there and can move in the pocket? He didn't move the entire game. You saw how stiff he looked in the pocket. It was just everything about it. The mechanics were completely thrown. Fair play on him that he managed to get through pretty much 85 90% of the game. But yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to have to say, I was watching the football rather than how stiff he was in his pocket, but we're going to leave that one there. Um, any other games that you saw this week? The other one I saw, because I put it as my swing last week, was Carolina beating San Francisco, like I said. Yeah, I thought perhaps you might uh, you might bring this one up, and it was a great game, and you know that our very own Mike... Sunshine! Austin was at Candlestick Park this week. It was one of those ones, it depends what sort of nature you are. Me... I will watch the sort of 10-9 games, the defensive beat-em-ups, and I will love them just as passionately as the sort of the blowout score games where it's like the scoreboard's over 80 points. For me, this was really a show of two world-class defences, logger-heading, and then just coming together. There was great, I mean, Frank Gore put in a great performance, to be fair, but apart from that, there really wasn't much in the way of sort of standout offensive production. I mean, Kaepernick never even got a h- over 100 yards. Your quarterback's not throwing over 100 yards. Y'all going to have a bad day. Yeah, very true. Kaepernick, is, he's having that second season flop, isn't he, really? I mean, yeah, he is. Don't get me wrong, he's still winning games. I mean, it's 6-3. and three. At the same time, the numbers were just nowhere near. I mean, what really killed him, I mean, I think there was like five or six sacks. The offensive line, just there's no protection this year. People have sussed him out as well, so they're keeping a spy on him. So he's not getting to be able to run as much. Which basically means that, effectively, the, the Kaepernick factor has been neutralised. Yeah, fair enough. Well, let's leave that there. I think we've covered enough through the games, and we shall now move on. I'm eating burritos bigger than you. It's time to go eat, baby. Let's eat. You got some hungry dogs over here. Apple! Orange! Orange! Apple potato. I don't want no crackers! Hungry, man. I gotta eat it. Feed him, he hungry. Man, you guys didn't eat your Wheaties this morning, did you? We eating all day, bro. We'll brown these guys up and turn them into little bitty eagle meatballs. Now we move on to some stories and rumours that are floating across the league. After Monday Night Football, which coach would you say is more on the hot seat, Marcus? Coach Philbin or Coach Shiano? I don't know. Uh, to be fair, I think possibly Coach Shiano because 
he's just he's a little bit more bravado in what he does. I think the fans just aren't going to give him the sort of time to redevelop a team as much. I mean, they're not really giving anyone enough time to redevelop a team down there, to be honest. Yeah, but you look at the players they've got, and you have to say, well, how much redevelopment do they need? Because you, the talent we know they've got on running back when everyone's healthy, especially now with with James coming in behind Martin. So next year, it wouldn't surprise me if they use the traditional, well, what's becoming the traditional two-back system. So you kind of are flash and thunders, as we like to know them as. But having those two backs, receiver-wise, they've got Jackson, they've got Williams. Quarterback, maybe they're a little bit shaky on. And they've not exactly got a shoddy defence with the addition of Darrell Rivas. So I think they've got a lot of talent there. And I would have to say that I don't think there's so much rebuilding as they're now ready to push on to the next level. And maybe that's why so much pressure is being put on Coach Shiano. What do you think? I agree. I think that was the thing is because it's effectively become like a bit of a talent ball. You remember the Philly team from a couple of years ago oh the so-called dream team whoops ixnay on the dream team's day <laughs> exactly and literally the guys i don't even think they broke seven and nine did they no i don't think they did so that what i think what's happening these days is the accumulation of player talent doesn't necessarily replicate what people are outstanding to take on wins i mean they'd rather see a team of rookies come home with eight wins than a team of what we call all-stars and come home with four, which effectively is all I can see, say, someone like Tampa getting this year. I hate to say it, but you have to keep coming back to Belichick, don't you, really? Because he's never really had an absolute team of stars. He's always had a collection of good players on offense or defense or even great players on one side of the ball or the other. Never really, I would say, a great combination of both, yet they always win that division pretty much, with the exception of a couple of Jets titles a few years ago. And over the last 10, 12 years with Brady and Belichick, it's all about Belichick's coaching, isn't it? He just gets the best out of everyone. Yeah, it is really a collective effort, and it's it's not just you know having great players, you have to have the great coaches, there's a tandem there. So if you get a good set of coaches, they can make an average set of players great. You can have great players but only average coaches and you know you're not going to have fireworks so getting back to the eagles just quickly with michael vick who's going to be out now for the next week or two do you think it's going to help or hinder the team if they put him straight back in bearing in mind the form that young nick Foles is showing at the moment i think you just knocked the he- uh, the nail on the head there which is saying don't get a guy out when he's hot i mean it's what they say when baseball the guy's on a no hitter you don't even talk to him yeah you have to look Let at well sorry I interrupted your... Oh, yeah, my fantastic analogy that I always provide, you mean? With that silence, says it all brilliant. OK, well, I was just going to say, you look at Kaepernick last year. Smith was the number one quarterback, but Kaepernick was playing so well that they kept him in, didn't they, instead of bringing Smith back? I know there's a bit of a difference between Smith and Kaepernick and, and Vic and Foles, but Foles this year has thrown 16 touchdowns and no interceptions in the five games that he's played when he's come off the bench or started. He had his seven TDs, obviously, last week, and he had three more this weekend. So he does seem to be running that offense pretty smoothly. Yeah, I mean, you've got to think of what the Eagles have managed to do now. I mean, they broke 500. They're 5-5. Five and five. Amazing sort of um, stats when you look at them coming away from Philadelphia. 5-1 and one away from home. I mean, that's crazy. Oh, it is. It's an un- unbelievable stat. That's kind of like the Giants of uh, a couple of years ago. You remember the Super Bowl run where they managed to 
win about five or six on the road. Everyone said you can't win that many back-to-back on the road. Well, yeah, you look at the places that the Giants won that year on the road as well. They went into Green Bay and they won. They went into San Francisco and they won. I'm trying to think where else. Oh, that was the, I believe they also went into Atlanta and absolutely obliterated them, didn't they? Or did they have Atlanta at home that year? You're testing my knowledge now. Because it would have been two years ago, wouldn't it? So Yeah. Unfortunately, my memory's terrible. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) What else can we say about that? Well, we'll move on from the NFC East. Seen today that Matt Flynn is looking like he's going to return to the Packers to back up their backup of a backup who also got injured. Yes, the injury to the backup of the backup, yeah. (laughs) Well, in case the backup of the backup gets injured, they've brought in a backup. (laughs) Exactly. A well-paid backup, but a backup of a backup nonetheless. Yeah, Well, it's almost like I'm getting paid to see how, see how many times I can say backup in one sentence. But what do you think of them bringing him back? Do we think maybe you should never have left there in the first place and that perhaps his, his head got a little bit too big and he thought that after on the back of that one record-breaking performance, he thought there was more to him than there is? Or was it that the Packers just wanted to get rid of him and now they've realised the error of their ways? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you got to think, remember, I mean, especially with quarterbacks is... You've probably been a quarterback since what high school? I mean, you're putting through college, and you know you get to the, you finally manage to get to the, the pros. You put the dedication, the time, the work in. You want to be a starter. Let's face it, you don't want to be sitting on the bench. And I think that's where he got his his idea that he managed to uh, managed to sell himself on that sort of one bit of game film, sort of make a make enough of a name for himself that he could possibly you know get something more from it. And he he went with it. The only problem is being that. Now that you're sitting there and you're just unfortunately becoming one of those round-the-league type guys, kind of like a, a Jeff Garcia of the day. I mean, you remember how much he used to bounce from team to team or um, trying to think of uh, Tester Verde. You know, remember how, especially late in his career, he was just bouncing around from team to team. There's certain players that literally, they'll just, once they hit a point in their career, unfortunately, they'll only ever be backups and then they'll get their starting role and that will make them want to go back to being a starter. And then, oh, look, there's a little minnow team here that needs a needs a quarterback. I can be, go there for a year, get paid a lot of money to be the starter, really kind of flop, and then they decide to draft in the youngster who just comes and outshines you. So you're back on the to being a backup again. It's like a cycle. Yeah, fair play. Well, on the quarterback front, there was also another rumour that that was floating around on the airwaves on Sunday, and that is that Ben Roethlisberger has asked for a trade at the end of the season. Now, I do stress at this stage, to my knowledge, this is just a rumour, but if it is true, what do we make of his move there? What do we think he's trying to achieve? I think Ben knows he's got about two good years left, and the guy wants to get back to the Super Bowl, and he's not, unfortunately. Pittsburgh are going to need a couple of years just to think about how they're going to restructure. The defence is not a Pittsburgh defense defense anymore that needs to be re-looked into the smash mouth football in the run game they don't really have so it's going to take a couple years of them just you know working out what they're going to do next how they're going to do it and i think ben literally wants to go out he wants to go and do sort of a a sort of glory chase on those last sort of golden years that he's got in his career yeah well i have to say if he did go there was another rumor that seems to be quite a strong one and that is that johnny manziel does seem to be more than likely going to be in the 2014 draft so if ben does get traded away and they would get i would have thought they'd still get a reasonable draft pick for him although wasn't it i think Rivas went for a first rounder didn't he for some reason i thought he might have gone for a sixth rounder but that would just be ludicrous so I'm thinking maybe a second or third rounder for Ben Roethlisberger at this stage of his career. On to that. Say, Sorry, Marcus, go on. I'd say, no, I'd say that's fair. Sorry, carry on. My bad. What, so a second or third is probably fair? Yeah. Yeah, and so 
if you're looking at that, they'll trade him away, get a second or third pick. With the pick in the draft that they're likely to have with their current record, if they don't get much better, they're likely to stand a good chance of being able to pick up Manziel. So would we see Manziel in Steelers colours? I don't know. I think um, I think Manziel, if he's smart, he'll, he'll put another year into college game and just try and round his game for the for the NFL. I think there's there's just a few nuances that, you know, and maybe some attitude issues that just, just need to be ironed out. Finish your degree, son, you know. Come out here with a... You're going to get drafted probably... Unless you have a career-shattering injury, you're going to make it into the NFL sunshine. So, you, you know, put your head on for a second here and think. Put a thinking cap on. What really is going to do me the best for me, for my, my personal development in this world? And I think that's... You put the time into college. Go finish it. Much though I love your explanation, what if he doesn't, though? What if he does go into the 2014 draft? Could you see him going to the Steelers? Oh, yes. Yeah, and I think if he does go into next year's draft, I fear he'll come out, not ready for the NFL, he'll show some flashes of greatness, and then I'm afraid he'll end up like Tebow. What, just on a park bench somewhere, reading the paper every morning instead of training? Yep, yep. He'll have a, what you call it, he'll have some kind of crazy sort of hyped up, you know, rookie season or, or something like that, or he'll be a backup and then he'll have to come in for some reason you know like Tebow did when he he sort of helped Broncos make something of a, a, a playoff run oh yeah they had a they had a one game playoff run didn't they and to be honest nobody saw the Broncos beating the Steelers that year myself included exactly. yeah it, he'll have something like that maybe and then that's it. it it'll come out but you know the team will sit there and go we want to go in a different direction sunshine or some attitude problem will re-arise itself I think you've got to go and do the right thing here take it take a thing you know take a year off and sit there and go I'm going to finish what I started here, guys. And then if you want me, I'll be there the year after. Yeah, that's. I agree with you. I mean, that, that would be the more sensible approach because I firmly believe that the structure in America with the fact that the players have to go through college and that most of them do come out with at least their bachelor's degree, if not their master's, because then you have to look at life after football and you need a degree as well as experience. So the fact that they've already got their degree gives them a massive head start should they not be able to get into anything football-related. Exactly. I mean, I think the thing to look at here is, um, while we were talking about stories, I believe it was, I think it's a, is, is it a Bengals or a, a Houston player? Um, but there was a lovely story about a an offensive lineman this week, and he's been in the, in the NFL for only about two, three years. Guy's making better part of a couple hundred grand a year and he he turned around and just sort of handed in his resignation and said you know what i'm done turned around and said he was done with football really just because he can go on and have a better quality of life and make a better living away from it with his degree or exactly what he said he said what us football players go through the danger we put our body in the risks that are associated and there's a lot of time spent traveling i'm away from my family there's a lot of stress that goes on there and he sat there and went just spent when I think I can have a better life um, away from playing football, you certainly went. I've had I've made lots of friends and I've had a great time playing football. But you know what? I'm gonna call it a day while I'm young enough to do something new and I'm healthy enough to to be able to live life to its fullest. Oh, fair play. And do we know the name of this offensive lineman? No, I should have written it down. But go and have a nosy. Try and find out about it, guys. I mean, a story like this. I'm sure if you go on Fox or CBS, they latched onto it. It was a, a great little sort of midweek piece that people were able to keep themselves interested with okay well you've convinced me bucks job Uh, you've convinced me marcus we're gonna put it in the show notes so that you can just go straight to the story we will find it for you and we will add it to the show notes and you can go straight to it because i'm all for pieces like that 
Um, just a couple more pieces. One not so good news. One pretty good news. I think to finish off this segment with Sean Lee from Dallas Cowboys is going to be missing the next three to four weeks with a hamstring injury. How much does that hurt the Cowboys, Marcus? A lot. I think that hurts them a lot. He's become such an integral part, such an integral part of that defense. I think you they're really going to feel and miss it. And uh, finally. On a plus note, I heard that Coach Kubiak actually is back at the Texans facility and although he's not obviously back to full working duties, was back in the office on Monday. So, again, hope he continues to have a, a speedy and healthy recovery. Oh, y'all want the play? Okay, here we go. We've got gun, Hulk left slot. Dixie left, key left. Mercedes, wide chip, Ricky. Zebra left, 75, Katie. Omaha, quick going. <laughs> it's that time of the week again. Where I ask Marcus, what's been grinding your gears this week, fella? You know what really grinds my gears? Right. Well, you know what's been really grinding my gears this week? It's the fact that the offense has lost the plot. Now, what I mean by this is the fact that it seems that more and more defenses this year, just like last year, are scoring a lot of touchdowns. What's going on, offense? Have you forgotten you're the guys who are trying to score the points? Now, what I'm trying to say here is the fact that so far this year, there's been 39 defensive touchdowns. That basically comes to, through 10 weeks, nice and easy maths for us, at 3.9 defensive touchdowns a week. Now, last year, over the entire league, there was 71 of them. That comes to 4.2 a week. Whereas you go back to 2011, 2010, where obviously it seems that the NFL was back to normal, where there was only 49 for the entire year. That's, that's only 2.7. So... Where's all these extra touchdowns coming from? I don't know. Is it offenses getting sloppy? Is it defenses becoming a lot more clued in? Or is it just the fact that clearly, though the NFL keeps chucking all the advantages, the offensive way, defense is just better. Hmm? I'll leave that for you to decide, but that's what's been grinding my gears. Nice one. Well, I'm going to chip in a couple of cents on this one, I think. And firstly, obviously, I love defense as well. And I think... Now the defences actually have the time and ability in particularly pre-season and during the season to lock in on what the offence is doing. And because it turns into it's turned into a copycat league, once you figure out what one team does, you kind of have a similar idea to what other teams are going to do. So the teams that have quarterbacks like your uh, RG Freeze, Cam Newtons, Colin Kaepernick, they're all going to try and run some form of read option. And if you can clue in on one of them, you know what you're doing against the rest of them. I think going to the stats-wise, two years ago, the reason why there were so few defensive touchdowns, I think you don't have to look any further than the lockout. If you don't give guys enough time to prepare before the season and watch tape and share that with the players, I think that's obviously going to have a knock-on effect. And personally, for me, it's a lot easier to run and catch a ball than it is to try and figure out what someone else is going to be trying to do to try and run and catch the ball. So that's for me why we're seeing an increase in defensive touchdowns because the coaches are getting smarter the teams are becoming too copycat and that's what i think but you know let us know what you think send us an email at ballhawksnest at gmail.com tweet us at ballhawksnest drop a comment at the bottom of the page or contact us via any of the social media icons at the top that it has been off to the races 40 30 20 10 5 touchdown now we move on to possibly our favorite time of the week it's our award segment so we have our mr Ray Lewis. 
award and also our <laughs> award. Going to start off this week making this the third week in a row that we have done it first. The great Mr. Award. Marcus, who do you have down as your runner-up this week? My runner-up this week is Luke Kluchki, a linebacker for Carolina Panthers. Luke Keekley, just to correct you there, buddy. That guy's awesome with the awesome last name that I can't pronounce. You, sir, are runner-up. Oh, mate, yeah. He had a fantastic week again. Was it 11 tackles in the sack, I believe? 11 tackles in the sack. And this guy, literally, I I can't believe how lucky Carolina are to have someone like that who can just lead the defense. Instrumental in what they're doing currently this year are just being completely dominant, I I have to say. Yeah, I agree. And my runner-up this week, I've actually given it to the entire Panthers, Steve, rather than just narrowing it down to just one guy because collectively to keep the 49ers to nine points only 151 yards of offense and to turn them over twice I think collectively they all deserve a massive pat on the back for that yeah it was one of those ones where I mean we've seen the 49ers demolish some teams but at the same time it was just the fact that it was almost as good to a shutout well going into that game I do believe they were averaging over 30 points on they were they're averaging over 30 points going into that game and there you go and you've got the guys not even getting into double digits no they were luck downed (laughs) so we move swiftly on away from my ghetto-ness onto the winner of the Mr Award who's your winner this week Marcus my winner this week is drum roll not needed because it's Chris Long Defensive end for the St. Louis Rams. Oh, man. So they kept the Colts to eight points. He had how many tackles? The guy had four tackles, one sack, a fumble recovery for a 45-yard touchdown. Well, let's not forget that a sack counts as one of those tackles rather than trying to count it as an extra stack. Come on, come on. Yes, but the fact is (laughs) that in those four tackles, a sack, I mean, if you really want to get pedantic, I'll say it's a tackle for a loss and a sack. There we go. That's how it's marked on the stat sheet, isn't it? Pretty much how it's marked on the stat sheet. I just like, I think, to say, you know, he had four tackles, of which one was a sack, is the right way of putting it. But it's the fact that, you know, we you're not getting a sack every single down. You really have to work at trying to sort of find the weaknesses. And really, the, the exterior just completely collapsed on, um, on the Colts Sunday night. Oh, yeah, and just quickly to digress from that, I think if we were to do a what grinds my gears... It would be the stats. What I would like to see the NFL do, just for my benefit only, would be that the tackles column is tackles solo, tackles assisted, sacks, and the total combined then gives you the number of tackles in that year. So you don't count the sacks in the single or assisted tackles. They're their own column, and then they all get added up to see how many tackles the guy made at the end of the year. (laughs) That's what I want to see. Yeah. Where are you? Come on. Catch up, guys. You hear that, Goodell? (laughs) Adri's talking now. So, but yeah, um, a great performance from him, as you say, with that fumble recovery for the touchdown to really kick the Rams off to start the game on Sunday. It really did. I mean, I think we really just sort of put them on that back foot. And then once they were chasing, really, there was no coming back. They, They couldn't find a way to sort of. To, to work through it and no 38 nil down they were pretty much done mm. <laughs> yeah crazy a great performance and well played to the man my winner this week is previously mentioned will blackman of the jacksonville jaguars stripping that ball out of fitzpatrick's hands there's a 
a video of it on the blog so do feel free to, to check that out but just to steam in is if you're going to sack the quarterback and have the presence of mind to think I'm not going to drop you to the floor I'm just going to take the ball from you that kind of reminds me of if there's any rugby fans out there you may recall a certain England versus Wales game in the Six Nations two years ago where I believe it might even have been George North did exactly that just stripped it out of the English players hands and ran it in for the score so great presence of mind there would you agree Marcus yeah I mean it's, it's so easy to try and just hit the guy hard you know make the big sort of um, big show but the fact that you sit there and you go that you're you, you know your team's needing you to try and try and really turn this game on its head you're going to go for the ball rather than the man clever absolutely so congratulations to Chris Long of the St Louis Rams and Will Blackman of the Jacksonville Jaguars for winning this week's Mr Lewis. award Let's move on now to Mr. Who was your runner-up this week? My runner-up this week was Demarius Thomas, wide receiver, Denver Broncos. Ooh, nice choice. I hadn't really looked too much at the Denver game this week. It was one of those late games where I tried to watch it as much as I could and then the head hit the pillow and it was good night, sweetheart. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was one of those ones where you looked at it watching, uh, again, I, I didn't stay up and watch it. I've just watched the highlights. It seemed really sort of um, dominant by by Denver for most of the game and then it was kind of a nervy little let in at the end there to um to let San Diego come into within one score really yeah 28-20 was the final score was it not yeah exactly but I mean they had him at 28-6 at one point about halfway through the third quarter they need to look at that then though because when the Colts beat them obviously the Colts came back from a long way behind to beat them and now we're saying that uh, San Diego nearly did the same thing so going up against Kansas next weekend they can't afford to do it against them for sure oh no they can't but I mean the reason why he got runner up this week was um, Manning had a pretty good game to be fair it was literally just switched off I don't know what happened they just sort of switched off fourth quarter and uh, Manning had like about 300 yards four touchdowns but Thomas took 100 of those yards and three of those touchdowns. I mean, Manning was put on an, under a lot of pressure. I mean, there was a lot of pressure. I think they only had got about two or three sacks in the end, San Diego, but they really came with an aggressive defense. So a lot of the time, you know, Manning was trying to get the ball out of there very quickly. I mean, I think the longest catch Thomas had was about 30 yards, and I think 10 of them were kind of from uh, yards after the catch. So you, you see he was that sort of clutch guy. Um, seven receptions as well for those uh, 108 yards. He was pretty much the main main sort of threat um, for the entire game and uh, San Diego just never adjusted fantastic well my runner up this week is Riley Cooper for the Philadelphia Eagles he just seems to be on fire at the moment he does seem to be Foles' favourite target because he's got four or five touchdowns I think now in the last two weeks which is accounted for nearly half of or half if I got my stats right of uh, Nick Foles' touchdowns can't even do basic maths right now it's crazy so uh, half of Nick Foles' touchdowns in the last two games had three receptions on Sunday, 102 yards, two touchdowns. As I say, he's on fire, and everything he touches just seems to be turning into scores. Yeah, I mean, he has really sort of stepped up this year, and especially with the Vic going down, he has sort of tried to make a push for the sort of like the dominant number one back. I mean, everyone thinks of say uh, Deshaun uh, Jackson, of course, he's making the most of the Macklin uh, injury that's kind of put him out for the entire year. So. When you get these opportunities, you never know. You might not be at the Philadelphia next year. He's got to make a name for himself. I'm, I'm, I know a couple of uh, teams who would love to have him as their starting wide receiver. Absolutely right. Now we move on to this week's <laughs> award winner. And I think we really need a little drum roll. And then we're both going to say it at the same time. Cause I've got a feeling it may be the same person. So 
Drum roll, please. Tavon Austin, what? Who? Really? What do you mean, really? Who did you say? I said Drew Brees because I thought I couldn't do two Rams in the same go. Oh, of course you can. <laughs> if they have an impact. Come on. I, I, I was feared their favouritism because um, I thought, well, we'll big the guy up earlier in the show. He gets his little shout out. I love him, but for me, he's not really the impact player until he puts that in week in, week out. But no, Breeze puts what he does week in, week out. It's not about week in, week out, though. It's the impact player of the week. Of the week, Marcus. Not the season or the couple of weeks. The week. The week we've just had. Clearly, I'm an overly critical Rams fan here, being overly critical. Yeah, and you need to stop that because... We don't mind a little bit of prejudice if it's coming from someone other than me about their team. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I'll let you finish off then. Drew Brees, come on. We know about Tavon Austin, as we mentioned earlier, so tap us up with the Drew Brees stats yeah. for this week. The reason I picked Drew Brees, um, because what he did is so methodic and it's just brilliant to watch. Um, pretty much 400 yards, four touchdowns. Now, check this out. 34 attempts, uh, 34 completed from 41 attempts that's an 82.9% completion rating that was just literally picking apart picking the bones off um, the Dallas defense and for me that just sort of encompassed what Drew Brees is about and for me without Drew Brees are the Saints the same team for me no they're not they need Drew Brees there to sort of the captain of the ship um, to pilot them without him they're not nowhere near the sort of recognition they deserve. And for me, Drew Brees just creates the entire impact of that team. That is why he's my impact player of the week. Right, okay, fair enough. Well, do bear in mind, please, if you wouldn't mind, as your boss, <laughs> I'm saying it's the impact player of the week. But granted, Brees had a great performance this week, so... That'll be warning number one, but just bear that in mind. So we'll just finish off, you know, just to recap. Tavon Austin, three touchdowns, a 98-yard punt return, a 57-yard catch, and an 81-yard uh, catch as well. Again, there's highlights of all three of those if you head over to the blog. So go to www.bullhawksnest.weebly.com forward slash the hyphen low hyphen down and check that out. So... Brilliant. Congratulations to Tavon Austin and Drew Brees for being this week's award winners. Before we give our swings of the week, I want to try something new. This week, we're going to go through all the games of Week 11 and Marcus. You're going to have to give me your picks for every single game and here is the catch. You only have five seconds to give me your team to win. So I want the first team that comes to your mind when I give you the game. Are you ready? I think so. And here we go. Indianapolis versus Tennessee. Indianapolis. New York Jets versus Buffalo. Jets. Baltimore versus Chicago. Chicago. Cleveland versus Cincinnati. Cleveland upset. Minnesota versus Seattle. Seattle. Washington versus Philadelphia. Philly. Detroit versus Pittsburgh. Detroit. Atlanta versus Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. Controversial. Arizona versus Jacksonville. Arizona. You sounded really disappointed when you said that. I know, division. Fair enough. Kansas City versus Denver. Denver. Nice. Oakland versus Houston. Oakland. San Diego versus Miami. San Diego. San Francisco versus New Orleans. New Orleans. Green Bay versus New York Giants. Giants. 
four wins in a row for the Giants. Nice. New England versus Carolina. Carolina. Nice work, buddy. Well, I hope you uh, enjoyed that. I thought I'd throw that on you, see uh, what you thought of that. Oh, I like that. That was good. Yeah? We're thinking of maybe doing that every week. What do you reckon? I think that might be uh, nice as a change-up. Yeah, that, that was kind of weird. You put me on my toes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, whether I decide to put it in or not will uh, be up to me on the day, so you'll find out when we record. So, <laughs> <laughs> of those picks, the question is, can you remember who you said, firstly? And <laughs> so... Of those, who is your swing week? As in my main swing of the week? Yep, uh, that was just a, a pick. This is going to be your actual percentage swing. All right, okay. So my swing of the week, uh, like I said, I've decided because I'm, I'm loving these upsets at the moment. And I said Cleveland upset at Cincinnati. Hang on, who, who upsets who? Because they're both pretty dire, although they're both top of the division at the moment, so that makes no sense, but you know what I mean. Uh, Cleveland to do the upsetting on Cincinnati. Okay, so you don't think there's going to be any cornerbacks tapping up passes for AJ Green at the end of the game? No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to get any flukes here. Um, I think Cleveland, to be fair, I don't think there's going to be much in it. We are literally talking about a one-score game. Literally, that sort of three to seven point mark. It's going to be nice and close. I don't think it'll be particularly high scoring as well. I doubt both teams will get into the sort of 20 points. So it's sort of 21-17, something like that. Sounds like a good one I'm thinking for. I, I, I like what um, what they've done by bringing in Campbell. I really like that. I really like their defence. I think there's going to be two clashes of really good defensive play. I think there'll be lots of turnovers. For some reason, Dalton just isn't quite reading this year. He's just he's having a little bit of a slump himself. After starting off so strongly, they've now dropped two games, Miami, and then, of course, he decided to drop this week against Baltimore, you know, division rivals in overtime, to be fair. But um, they, they spent a lot of the game behind. Uh, I just think that maybe, you know, the psychology of it just starts to affect them a little bit. Um, they are at home, which might give them a slight edge. But I really do think this is going to be a nice ground out and, excuse the pun, but a right good old dogfight. Yeah, look forward to that one. Well, this week, for my... I've actually gone with Philadelphia over Washington. Um, again, I'm thinking maybe sort of seven points, maybe a bit more in Philly's favour, purely because this season you really don't know what you're going to get from uh, from Washington. So you can coin the, the Forrest Gump phrase if you like, uh, life is like the Washington Redskins, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Philly... Describe my Rams at the moment. Uh, well yeah, that's also true, because there's a, there's a few teams like that. The only teams you know you can rely on is the Bills losing... You can't even say the same for the Jags and the Bucks anymore. Son of a... (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I just think with the way the two teams are playing, I know, I think it is actually in Washington, but just with the form that Foles is in, because Vic's not playing at all this week, so they're going to go into Washington, they're going to take apart that shaky defence and uh, win by at least a touchdown. Yeah, no, I can see that that really is going to be a really nice one of the, again... Nice division matchup, and I think it's going to be a great one to keep an eye out for. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that wraps it up from us this week. Remember, you can download us on iTunes, get in contact with us. Send us an email at ballhawksnest at gmail.com. Tweet us at ballhawksnest. Find us on Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash ballhawksnest, or drop a comment at the bottom of the podcast page. So, from myself and Marcus... Take care, football fans. Stay safe, and thanks for stopping by.